Good morning. If we haven't met, my name is Sam McLaughlin, and I'm the senior pastor here at Belmead, and we're so glad again that you're here to worship with us. Gracie mentioned that yellow visitor card in the pew rack in front of you, and we would love for you to fill that out and meet us in the narthex where we have a gift for you. If you're online, we say welcome to you again, or if you're just tuning in, we hope you'll say hello to our online pastor, Rachel. We're glad that you're here. Here on our second Sunday of January, we are uh, in our new sermon series called No Time Like the Present. And we're talking about how we're kind of in that mode of thinking this is a new year with new possibilities, new opportunities. And of course, that includes our spiritual life. You know, as disciples, we're meant to change and grow and be transformed. Sometimes I don't like that word growth. Like I wanna pretend like I've got it all figured out already, right? But that is the spiritual life that we are making progress, that we are having spiritual practices that help us to go deeper. We've talked about how this series has multiple angles and probably more that you can come up with as well. Uh, One of those is really just this like kind of YOLO sentiment. What I mean by that is like, you only live once, no time like the present. If not now, then when, right? You may not really have the time later like you think you have. Uh, We've talked about that there's no time like the present to be present to be present to the goodness before you, to what is happening right now in this moment. It can be easy for us to find ourselves stuck in the past, right? I heard somebody say once, this has stuck with me for years, we can be products of our past without being prisoners of it. Can be products of our past without being prisoners of it. Sometimes we find ourselves worrying or being anxious about the future, right? And so the invitation in this month and this uh, series is to be right here. Be right here. This includes, we said last week, being present to ourselves. Uh, what I mean by that is being present to your own needs and wants and desires. I think sometimes we can think that's selfish but that really more is having a sense of self, right? When I can identify my own needs and wants and desires and then communicate that to the people who I love the most, I start to create a more fulfilling life for myself and healthier relationships with the people that I love the most. So how can we wake up to ourselves, be aware of what it is that we want and need, and be aware of our dreams and our callings and our purpose. Last week, we talked about this story where three magi go to visit Jesus, more in like toddler form than infant form, and they give us this posture to emulate. They, they come to Jesus and they bow down and they worship him. You know, and so we said, man, what, what is my position? What is my posture towards God this year? And does it need some adjusting? What if I were to get down and worship God, to be in this posture of like living palms open, surrendering and submitting my life to to him, handing it over, right? There's this uh, really paradox of the spiritual life that is like, we have to let go in order to find. We have to give up in order to gain. So how can we live this way? Right? This week, this theme of no time like the present continues with this story about Jesus calling his first disciples. So Matthew chapter two is when the Magi come to visit him. Matthew chapter three is his baptism. Chapter four, Jesus is led through the wilderness, which we'll talk about more when we get to Lent. And here, as he starts his ministry, 
He is calling people to walk with him, to learn from him so that they can carry on the mission. And so this is what we hear. First, he goes along the shoreline, along the Sea of Galilee. He sees people doing what their their profession is, fishing, and he calls out to them. The invitation is really important. It is to come and follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. It says at once they left their nets and followed him. He goes further down the shoreline and he calls two other fishermen, James and John. It says they were in the boat with their father. Jesus called out to them and immediately they left not just the boat and all the fish, but their father as well. And so right away we hear this element of time come into play at once, immediately. Now, I'll tell you that I don't really like that sometimes when I read it, because this sounds like impulsivity that is illogical. Like, what do you mean that they didn't go home and have conversations and everybody was on board about them following Jesus? You know, just like, that feels like a conversation. But what if this moment was more about not missing out on what God has in store, being ready to say yes Right? There seems like there's this balance of time that we're trying to work with. We don't want to feel scarce about time, like we never have enough, like we're always running out, but we also want to live like time is of the essence, right? And so here, there is a sense of urgency on joining Jesus in his mission. Now, if we're unclear on what Jesus's mission in, is the very next passage tells us. It says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Jesus came to teach and preach and heal. And I think that I would say that all of us have that same purpose. We are to teach and preach and heal. Now, how we live that out looks different based on our unique gifts and our talents and our skills. It says that news about him spread everywhere. People came and brought all of their sick and he healed them all. And it says large crowds from all over the region started to follow him. And so church, are we proclaiming the goodness of the kingdom and pointing people to the one who can heal with so much urgency that people wanna know who is this Jesus and how do I follow him? What a great mission for our church to live in such a way, live so urgently that people wanna know who Jesus is. Now, what I love about this passage is that it doesn't say that Peter and uh, James and John and Andrew knew immediately what they were doing, (laughs) you know? The invitation was to come and follow me. Uh, So in this moment, like Peter didn't know that he was gonna be the rock on which the church was built. You know, each person in this moment is saying yes to learning from Jesus. They are saying yes to on-the-job training and tutelage, you know? So sometimes we think that we have to know exactly where we're going, that we have to have everything figured out to take that next step with God. But really, when we feel those nudges and those urges, that movement of the Holy Spirit calling us, we are just taking the next step. 
right? We are learning and discerning as we go. Uh, Gracie shared a little bit about her calling to ministry. That's how I felt about my calling to ministry. Uh, I felt God calling me to preach. I had no idea what that would look like. Uh, When I went to divinity school, I didn't even know if I would stay United Methodist. Like this was a time for me to reevaluate my beliefs and how I grew up. I didn't know that I wanted to be a senior pastor of a church. I didn't even know that I might like to preach every Sunday, right? It's just saying yes, abiding with God, having faith that God will show us the next step as we walk with him. Jesus goes on throughout the rest of the gospel as he will in all of them to invite people to his mission. And I love that later in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 11, to be exact, this is how he issues the invitation to people. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, walk with me, watch with me, work with me. And what will happen? You will recover your life. You will learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Keep company with me and you will learn to live freely and lightly. I have always heard that invitation as like a deep breath. My task, my job is to draw close to him, to walk with him, to watch him, to work with him, not to be an expert, not to always be the one leading, to be a follower, to be willing to be led, to admit that I don't know everything. And if we do that, Jesus says, you'll recover your life. Like recover it from what? I don't know, maybe all of these invitations to other things that are not as valuable as the kingdom mission of Jesus, right? If you're having trouble parsing out what it means to follow Jesus or to hear his voice or understand his calling for you, this story also helps. We see that Jesus speaks to these people using what they know. He uses their language. You know how to fish for fish. I'm gonna teach you how to fish for people. The same thing happens with the Magi. Uh, Remember that these were people who were outside of the faith of Israel. They were not searching for a savior, but they were men who studied the stars. That was their profession. That was what they loved and what they knew. And God said, I'm gonna speak to you through the stars. And so the same is true for us. God speaks to each one of us through what we know, through what we love, through our passions. Uh, One theologian said it this way, God comes to us in the life that we have. God comes to us in the life that we have. And if we are willing to go, like these fishermen, to drop our nets, then God uses the skills and the talents and the gifts that we already possess for the sake of the kingdom. Now, some of us in this room will feel like God is calling us to make a big change, to switch professions, to move states, to give away our stuff. But probably more of us just need the reminder that we can allow God to use us right where we are in the profession we're in in the school we're in, in the places we volunteer, in the homes of the people that we care for. 
a couple of uh, weeks ago, um, actually it was Thursday, December 27th to be exact, I went to the doctor for my annual physical. I'm trying to be an adult now <laughs> and establish a, a doctor. And so this is my second year of working with this same person. And when I went to get my annual physical, she said she wanted to get um, an echo on my heart. And just so you won't worry about me, I'm okay. I was born with a hole in my heart. It's never caused me any issues. But the last read that we had on it, I was in college, which was quite some time ago now. And so she wanted to, you know, get a new read and just see what it looked like. And so she scheduled this echo for the very next day. Um, the truth is just totally transparent. I didn't want to go do that at all. I had been sick for like four weeks. I was sick over Christmas. She uh, had got, given me a new antibiotic, so I had just started that. But I go because, you know, you need to just tough things out sometimes. But I'm just like weary. I'm exhausted. I'm sick. But I walk into uh, the, the room where, uh, where the tech is going to do this ultrasound, and I meet this woman named Harley. And Harley is like bright and funny. She's cracking jokes with me about putting on that gown. And <laughs> she tells me where to lay down and gets close. Uh, and I noticed as I came into the room, Harley was listening to music. And most people in that moment would probably like turn the music down. Harley turned it up. <laughs> and not only that, as she is like doing this ultrasound on my heart, she starts to sing. She's like singing the songs loudly. The more that I listened, I heard the radio station say that it was K-Love. Some of you know K-Love is like a Christian music station. And so here she is just like loudly singing these songs of faith as I um, lay in there for this ultrasound. And you know what? I didn't tell her I was a pastor. I was like, I'm just gonna, just gonna listen, right? I'm, I'm too tired to talk. Uh, but the more she sang, uh, the more I, I cued into the lyrics that she was singing. And one of these songs like really stuck out to me. She was, she was saying, I speak the name of Jesus over you in your hurting, in your sorrow. I will ask my God to move. I pray for your healing. And honestly, like in that moment, I felt like she was speaking over me, like she was singing over me. She was ministering to me and my need for healing. And so I finally did pipe up and tell her that I was a pastor and we talked about faith and, and I, she said something like, we had just been talking about this all of Advent. She said, you know, wherever we are, we just need to let our light shine. And I was like, amen, Harley, you know? And so there we are talking about faith. I invited her to come to our church. I haven't seen her yet, but hopefully she'll come. And I just told her I felt so blessed by her sharing her faith in that way that I felt like she was blessing me as she sang over me. Look, the story could end there, but it doesn't. I left the doctor's office and I went to go find one of our people, Bob Little, who was at a live hospice. And I had no idea what I was walking into, but I came into the room and there his daughter-in-law, Dee Dee, was sitting in the chair, keeping vigil beside his bed. His, his wife, Emily, had left for the first time in days to go home and shower and to have a minute before she was gonna come back. So Dee Dee and I stood in the middle of the room, kind of close to Bob's bed. And at one point he perked up as much as he could in the state that he was in. And Dee Dee said to me, I think that he heard your voice. I think that he knows you're here. And so we moved over to Bob's bed and I grabbed his hand and I stroked his hair and I told him, Emily's gonna be okay. You've lived a long, good and faithful life and it's okay to go home now, right? 
And I got some water and I put water on his forehead and I remembered that he was chosen and called by God in his baptism and I prayed for him. And as me and Dee Dee were standing there, tenderly touching him, his breathing slowed down and he slipped out into eternal life in a most peaceful and sacred way. Now remember, Emily wasn't there. So I went to the front of a live hospice and I stood there and I waited for her so that when she showed up, I could tell her what had happened. And we went back and we saw Bob and we waited for hours for the funeral home to come. And then they came and they rolled him out in this beautiful way, playing a song because he was in the Air Force. People stood up as we came through the hallways. They prayed and then they put him in the hearse and we left, you know? And I wish that I could go back to Harley and tell her that she blessed me for this huge sacred task that I didn't know was coming. That she allowed me to be a pastor for my people that I love in that moment. You know, what I'm saying to you today, church, is let God use you no matter where you are or what you are doing. Bless people in the life that you have. You don't have to have everything figured out. You don't have to know your ultimate calling, your ultimate purpose. The only thing that is urgent is to follow him, to learn from him, to walk with him, to proclaim the good news and point people to the healing that can happen in Jesus' name. Thank you, God. Thanks be to God. Amen.